You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Our research team was eager to know what the most common routers were actually running. And when we're talking about routers, we're talking about the Wi-Fi router you have currently in your home. That's Federico Kirschbaum, CEO and co-founder at Faraday. The research we're discussing today is titled A Vulnerability in Realtek's SDK for ECOS OS, Poning Thousands of Routers. And that kind of kicked off because specifically in cybersecurity, we know that IoT devices, sometimes they're built without security in mind. But we never thought it would be this bad. And the idea of researching just a random device actually turned out with this question is, who makes your home router? Because we found out that your vendors are using a lot of vendors to build that. And sometimes that's unclear. That's not really easy to find out. And that affects a lot of brands that you didn't even, even know they could have a vulnerability. So yeah, it became as a weekend project. So I guess a, a lot of the routers that you could buy are OEM'd from uh, you know a, a central source. That, you know they make this. Uh, hardware available for other folks to put their brands on. Can you walk us through how exactly you all centered on on this particular provider here and, and how you got to this high severity uh, vulnerability? So when we decided to do this research, um, our team decided to go to, we are based in Argentina and in Latin America, or Amazon, it's called Mercado Libre. And Mercado Libre basically provides a list of the most sell devices in the region. And we found out that there were three brands, different brands, that were the most selling ones. And by the way, they were the cheapest. And we bought them all three. 
little did we knew these three different brands were actually the same device. They were actually using the same hardware and they were using the same SDK. That means that when we found something and so like, okay, this is interesting, an interesting finding, and we jumped to the next device, the device was almost the same. And that was kind of a the, the moment we realized if we find something here, we might be affecting thousands of brands. And the, the process basically involved opening up, understanding how it works, understanding the supply chain on how this specific vendor distributed their hardware and software to other vendors. And then, then I think besides the problem we found and how we were able to take advantage of that flaw, I think it all took us by surprise, the amount of hardware that it's being sold under different brands. And it's actually the same exact hardware and almost exact same software. So I, I think that's one of the key things of the, of the research of understanding the supply chain effect that has, you know, this idea of having hundreds of thousands of routers on on the shelves. Well, let's talk about the vulnerability itself. Can you walk us through that? What exactly are we talking about here? To put it lightly, it's basically a memory corruption. So that memory corruption allows somebody from the outside, from the internet, without credentials, without any knowledge about how to access the device to manipulate device memory and execute arbitrary comments or insert um, backdoor or reroute traffic. So basically it's the worst type of vulnerability you can have because you can have no control on limiting the, the impact of that and you don't have an option that you can turn off, so you are not affected. And this vulnerability came by default. To be more precise, the vulnerability was happening in how the router uh, creates mappings when you're using voice over IP. So the, mm. the device, it's basically listening all the time for specific SIP packages. And when the device detects a SIP package, it's going to trigger a specific configuration to create that mapping between the outside call and the computers that are within the network. The main problem is that their implementation on how to process that specific package is not really well done. And by just sending one package, it would allow us to, first of all, crash the device, but that's not interesting, or our routers <laughs> crash all the time by default. But it allowed us to start thinking on once you get into a router, what would be the next step for an attacker? And mainly in these days where we're working from home and you're accessing corporate from here, the idea of having uh, no interaction, one packet, exploit. It was kind of a what get, get us going. And that was kind of a, the first things that we found on, on these uh, real tech uh, devices. 
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. So explain to me, if I'm the person who's trying to uh, infiltrate this router to, to take it over, what exactly would I have to do here? And, and once I do those things, what kind of access do I have? So normally when we talk about routers and vulnerabilities, normally they are affected by services they expose. So by the vast majority of these devices, when you buy them, when you connect them to the internet, they are not exposing anything. They are not exposing an admin interface. They're not exposing any other services because normally their customers or their clients are on the other side of the network. They're on the LAN side. And if you are able to find a bug in these routers, you normally cannot attack them through the internet. And that's the, the key difference from our finding. These routers were listening to all packages but basically processing a specific type of package. So if you're an attacker and you're able to send a malformed OIP package to a router, that router, when it processes the, the package, is going to be executing attacker's code. And that specific piece of code will, first of all, allow the attacker to turn on um, remote admin device, for example, Telnet, which is it's, uh, disabled by default. So hmm. first of all, he's able to access the, the device where there was no services. And that gives them admin access to the device. And that's quite an accomplishment because you can change DNS. So you can reroute the client's traffic to somewhere else and you can start thinking, but ain't fun. Having a shell, it's just a, one of the first steps. And our research team uh, found that the device itself had the ability to write arbitrary piece of data in the flash, and they were able to write a specific comment that allowed us to create tunnels. So basically create a, a mapping between an, an internal host and an external port but also to port scan. Just the idea of showcasing the ability of an attacker of what happens when they have control. And when they have control, they can modify any option. They can create new options or new tools. And they are able to find more targets to attack. So this would be kind of a arriving to a beach and trust trying to invade the most Part of the network. So these are awesome way to get in. And to be more precise, the specific type of vulnerability was not easy to find and to detect because the service it's embedded in the networking stack of the device. Mm -hmm. So the only way to know if that device was vulnerable was actually 
attacking it. And since it's UDP, you could, if you're somebody who, who wants to have a lot of access, can easily spoof uh, that UDP package and basically mass scan the internet. And on the beginning, we thought it was just an issue for a couple of routers. Yes, it was an OEM. Yes, it was real tech. But when we started like digging more deeply before our lecture at DEF CON, we found out that some devices in some countries, they were configured differently and they were exposing some versions. So we were able to understand how much and how many they were on the internet. And just on a non-default setup was around 70,000 devices from all over the planet. And we're talking about the more different configuration we saw from all the routers that we tested. So if you're an attacker and you're thinking on how to attack next, you're always looking for the easy way in. And having access to the most important device on your network that can alter how your computer behaves, it's uh, something quite rewarding from the attacker perspective and can give the, the attacker a perspective that it's difficult to detect, it's easy to gain access to other computers once you're in, and you get a, a perfect scenario for them, listening, sniffing, or just modifying traffic. Now, how has Realtek responded to this? Is there, is there a patch available? Yes. So we, 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 when we discovered this, this finding, at that time, we didn't understand how bad it was. We actually submitted like four CVs. And the, the team at Realtek was quite responsive. We had the classic conversation between a vendor and security researchers. For them, it was not severe. For us, it was. The only way to prove it is by exploiting it and showcasing how bad it was. And uh, with a little back and forward, they, they were able to submit a patch. And this is, the I, I would say, one of the interesting things. If they supply the patch, also the vendors who are using that SDK need to apply that patch. And we were talking about other vendors. We're talking about their, the customers of Realtek. Because at the end of the day, they are the ones who purchase the hardware and the accompanying SDK to make their own router. And that small difference, it's, I think, the, the main problem we would have with IoT. Once you build right. it, no one will maintain it or have that in mind. That was one of the things. Um, so yes, they, they supplied the patch. Many vendors applied it, but I think many others will never do it. And Realtek was kind enough to provide us with a back bounty. Do you want to know how much was the back bounty? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we were honored uh, and they paid us a thousand Taiwanese dollars. And on the beginning, it was like, okay, that ain't bad. Unless yeah. you do the conversion rate and you go to $34 uh, for oh this bug. The good thing is that we, can, we could pay 75% of the router we bought for, for the research. 
Huh. So, I mean, just to be clear here, I mean, so Realtek is is an OEM supplier. They, they, you inform them of this issue, they come up with a patch for it. But then, as you mentioned, I mean, it's up to the folks that they provide this hardware to, the, the, the other people who put their names on this OEM product to have that, to apply that patch. But, but I suppose the, the bigger issue is that there are tens of thousands of these out there that are likely never going to be patched. The, the users probably aren't aware that they have an issue and there's no way to automatically push a patch to them, right? Exactly, because the patch that Realtek provided, it's not exact in fashion for their framework that other uh, vendors are using. And again, we are using the most cheap router you can find. It's something that when you see it, it's like, I wouldn't buy that. But that's the problem. Mm -hmm. If you or myself would buy a router, we wouldn't buy those. But what we found out is it doesn't matter. And it's the same pricing for several brands. So it could be double, triple the price, but actually the hardware and what's running inside, it's the same. So we're talking about people who may have the option of buying a router and they decided to buy the cheapest router. Or we're talking about ISPs that bought routers by a thousand and they apply their branding on top. So for example, Brazil, it's uh, a country that got really affected by this vulnerability. And the differences between the original firmware and theirs, normally it's customization around specific config on their provider or just branding logos. And I'm not sure those devices are available to apply the patch directly. They need an overview from the the vendor who customized that as they can. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, Realtek is providing the hardware, most of the connectivity around their system of a chip, and they are giving you the code so you don't have to rewrite you know, the web server, the WPA2 config. But there is another part that it's made by the vendor. And I think as a security researcher, it gives me a lot of interest in understanding how supply chain works and how Realtek is going to take care of their customers on on their behalf. And, and I think that's the, the most challenging thing uh, this problem has. Yeah. So suppose that I'm the person at an organization who's responsible for uh, security and I have a whole lot of my employees who are working from home. Maybe they're using their own devices here or, or you know, going through, as you say, their ISP is there a way that I can scan or, or or have them check to see if they're using this hardware? Yes, there is a way. Um, and I'll put two scenarios for, for everyone's taste. The first scenario, which I think is the most friendly one, would be sending uh, a piece of code to your employee's computer and test what router it's running at their home. That could be basically found out through their MAC address or just capturing the admin interface from the router. That could be the easiest way, but you would need collaboration or you would need some sort of admin access to their computers so you can execute a piece of code that can give you an answer. That would be a great idea to understand 
how many of my employees are running a router that might have this vulnerability or maybe others, right? If we go to the specifics of the vulnerability that our research team found, uh, we we have a GitHub where we supply all the information on the OS that it's running this specific uh, real tech device. And we also provide a piece of code that it's a proof of concept that it's, unless you're using a specific device that is the one that we use, it's just going to crash that device. And that would be a test as well. Basically, getting all your users from the VPN concentrator IP addresses and start one by one um, just you know, crashing the routers if they lost internet, you know, they're vulnerable. That would be the easiest way. I wouldn't say it's the most political one, but... <laughs> right, right. Uh, definitely but it's it a works. Of, it works, exactly. And yeah, if you're yeah. in a hurry, that's a problem. Mm. But to be honest, the main problem happens afterwards. It is, if an employee is vulnerable, you have two options. You can patch, or you can try patching, or you need to submit a new router, mm-hmm. and, and and that's kind of the difference. You the companies that we try to protect end up taking more responsibilities on the hardware that the employee has in their home, what type of setup, what kind of investment, and sometimes that's a little bit overseen. It's a really good point. I mean, you know, we we spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on setting up our employees with laptops or computers and so on and so forth. And and here that could there's there's a real there's a high possibility of compromise through uh, an inexpensive router that uh, you know you you that is sitting there doing its job and not drawing attention to itself, but could be the real problem here. Indeed. And I think there is a second takeaway from our research. The type of vulnerability that was found was not interesting. And when I mean it was not interesting, I mean this is the exposure of a bigger failure. They were using insecure C functions. They were using just a string copy in the wrong place, um, in the wrong time. The problem is not that. The problem is that it's 2022, and this problem has been there since the 90s. We have Hmm. the tooling. We have things that you can detect on the pipeline when you're building. So it's like having a misspelling in the front cover of a major newspaper. There are things and controls that are there that, A, they're not being respected, or B, they are being ignored, which mm-hmm. is even worse. So that that that's the second takeaway that I, I, I like to share with you, Dave. This idea of that problems that we face from the security are not new, and that's the main problem. It still affects millions of devices, and it's because somebody decided to ignore a warning from, you know, their static security analysis tool. And that's that's what worries me. Uh, I wish problems were a little bit more complicated sometimes. And having this scenario creates a lot of doubts on all the devices that I currently own.
Our thanks to Federico Kirschbaum from Faraday Security for joining us. The research is titled A Vulnerability in Realtek's SDK for ECOS OS, honing thousands of routers. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their SASE journey, visit netskope.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Rachel Gelfin, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.